Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show with us today, we have Stephen Weibel. Stephen, thanks for being here. How's it going? It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to be here today. It's, uh, it's wonderful. Every, every day you wake up on this side of the ground is a good day. That's right. <laughs> well, let's jump right in. Stephen is a Marine Corps veteran with a deep background in real estate sales, flipping and property management, print manufacturing, building, and what we'll be focusing on today is obtaining business credit. Stephen has founded and led multiple successful companies and has had over 300 rental properties in his portfolio. In addition, he is a public speaker, author, trainer, and avid learner. So great stuff, Stephen. Well, let's get right into the interview. And could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Sure. You did a great job, Alita. Um, like you said, I'm a former Marine. I, uh, I got out of high school and worked in the print manufacturing world. My father was in it, his father was in it, and so on and so forth. Uh, got an argument with my dad one day and he fired me. <laughs> so instead of going home, I went to the Marine Corps recruiting station, signed up and left two days later. My dad tried to hire me back two days later. I said, sorry, I'm out. <laughs> Anyhow, it was great for me because you learned discipline, obviously. Uh, and then when I, I got out of the service, I knew then that I didn't like being told what to do. So I immediately went in and started my own company. Uh, I got into the printing industry, obviously, because that's what I knew. Uh, mm-hmm. Built my company up to $25 million and sold it. Got really lucky. We got out just in time uh, before the internet basically took over print manufacturing. Now people are shipping it to China. They're you know, shipping all over the world. Uh, once I sold that, didn't know what to do. So I looked around and my brother who had owned a few properties in Camden, New Jersey said, hey, why don't you check out real estate investing? You got a little bit of cash. Uh, I said, well, all right, talk to me about it. Anyway, long story short, we ended up partnering up and my first deal, I bought 32 properties, all one shot from one guy. And got paid at the table a half a million dollars at the table. So the, obviously that was our launch. Uh, and then as the business was growing, I noticed we were spending more and more with Home Depot. I'm just going to use them as an example. <laughs> and I went and I applied for credit, but I wanted the credit in the company name. I didn't want it tied to me personally, because as you know, as a real estate investor, you have to protect your personal credit. Mm-hmm. Because when that great deal comes along, like the deal I just showed you guys, uh, you need to make sure your credit score is, is top notch. So Home Depot offered me business credit and I leveraged that. What I did is I used that credit. uh, So I was getting hard money. Let me back up. I was getting hard money for every loan. And I would just like typical hard money, they would fund the purchase of some percentage of it. And then they would hold an escrow any construction. And then they would release that escrow to you as you got through the construction. So I figured out if I use people like Home Depot and Lowe's and maybe a Visa and MasterCard, to cover the construction costs, I would put no money out of my pocket, get the draw, take that money, put it in my pocket, leave the debt on Home Depot, and when I sold the property, pay off the credit card. So because of that, I was able to scale this very quickly. I I owned over 300 properties within 24 months of getting into real estate. Wow. 
because I was using <laughs> their money. So I really, at the, at, at, I finally was putting nothing out of my pocket. Then mm -hmm. as I started scaling it, my business credit was growing. I bought all my vehicles, all my trucks were all Ford trucks that, uh, that were in the company name, my gas cards, all our computers. I mean, almost everything that we used on a day-to-day -day operation, we used as business credit. Now that's the upside. 08 was the downside, as we all know, right? So unfortunately for me, I was leveraging everything trying to buy a high-rise building in downtown Philadelphia. That was my goal. I wanted a $50 million building. And when the crash came, I couldn't keep up. As the prices were going down, I still owed more and more money on these properties I was, I was over-leveraged in. Uh, and finally, I made a deal, and I walked away from all the properties. But what's great is I also walked away from all that debt. So the Home Depots, the Visas, the MasterCards, the Fords, all of it, I walked away clean. Mm -hmm. Now, I did all this by accident, all right? It was not set on purpose. It was, you know, yeah, I wanted the business credit, but I didn't understand how it worked. I just knew from my printing background that we had a great DMB file and the government checked our business credit report. So I understood how that worked. So everything crashed. I was also one of the top Remax agents in the country. I moved to Florida, was embarrassed, <laughs> as you can imagine. Started over again in real estate here. And, you know, once you're bitten by a snake, you kind of don't want to get back into that snake pit anymore. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I was doing real estate again, but I just lost my lust for it, if you can imagine. I mean, I lost my personal home. You know, we had to move after 20 years of marriage. We're moving to Florida into a tiny little house. So I get down here and I'm doing real estate, but I'm not enthusiastic about it. So we get evacuated. There was a hurricane a couple of years ago, two years ago, as a matter of fact. And we lived on the Gulf of Mexico. We got evacuated. I went to one of my Marine Corps buddies' house in the center of the state. And I'm sitting in the spare bedroom looking on Craigslist of all places. I've never even been on Craigslist other than to place ads. And I see help wanted sales. Now, I've never, remember, I haven't had a job since I got out of the Marine Corps. I've been self-employed. So I went, oh, I guess I'll apply. I'm over this real estate thing. I looked at what they did and they business credit. I went, whoa, this is what saved me. So naturally, they didn't hire me. <laughs> they hired somebody else uh, a month later they called me back and they uh, said you know we made a mistake we'd love to have you come on board uh, within five months I was their top sales guy and then they realized that I don't ever shut up so they said I know what we'll do with you we'll put you on podcast put you on stage you need to write a book uh, and, and I was super excited because this was something that meant something to me which is probably why I was one of the top sales guys because I believed in it mm -hmm. and uh, and here we are um, and awesome. what I'd like to do today, if possible, is, is kind of give you guys some basics for all your listeners. Because one of the biggest mistakes I see is people set their business up wrong. And then when they go to get business credit, uh, if they even understand what it is, they get denied and they don't know why. Yep. Well, let's start there. What is business credit at a high level? Okay. So business credit is credit that is tied to your business only. So as consumers, we understand what our personal credit is, right? We all know that we have a personal credit file. What most people don't understand is that your business as its own entity, and I'm talking about LLCs as corporations and so on and so forth, it also has a credit file. Unfortunately, most business owners have no idea that it exists. And what they don't realize is even if you have nothing reporting, you actually get a failing grade. It looks like you're going out of business. So that's what business credit is. It's credit that you get that's tied strictly to the company. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep, absolutely. So how do you start building business credit, especially for, you know, let's just say for real estate, for example, because we're a real estate related podcast. When you start your LLC, you're really starting it from scratch. There's nothing kind of built upon that, right? So how do you start building business credit with a brand new LLC? And that's a great 
question, Kyle, because that's probably the most difficult part. So there's two parts to that. One is you have to make sure your business is set up what we call credibly. It doesn't mean your business isn't credible, but as you know, in today's internet age, uh, creditors are always looking for fraud. They're looking for fraudulent applications, so they're very careful about approving people. Uh, so we need to make sure your business is set up properly so it doesn't trip over those little gates they've set up to detect fraud. Uh, then the second part, and probably the more difficult part, is finding people who will, one, give you credit, and two, actually report. Because it's one thing to get credit. Like, you could give me a million dollars in credit, but if you don't report, it's not doing me any good. Other than the credit itself, it's not helping me build my profile. Because it's very expensive to actually pay to report business credit. Does that make sense? Yes. So okay. then so, it sounds like you have to build a profile. So how do you do that? Okay. So the first thing you want to do is, again, make sure you're set up credibly. And I can talk about some details on that. But then you want to make sure you find the right vendors who ask you to report. Now, I'm going to give your listeners a couple of free ones today that they can go to right away and get literally credit today. Okay? Okay. Okay, so the first thing when we talk about credibly is, it's not that your business is incredible. Like I said, they're looking for fraud. So what happens is, have, have either one of you guys ever applied for a credit card online? Like a personal credit card, just applied online? All the time. Exactly. <laughs> so, so one of two things happens. One, you get that instant approval, yay, right? Uh, the second is you get that pop-up. We need to review your file. We all know what that means, right? You're gonna get a letter in the next 30 days. They're required to tell you why you were denied. Well, what most people don't realize is business credit operates exactly the same way in the beginning. It's almost all done online and it's all underwritten by artificial intelligence. Like when you apply personally, you know nobody actually looked at that application, right? right. It's all artificial intelligence. They look at your credit score, they look at all the things that they're looking for. Business credit's the same thing. So they have these algorithms set up uh, with this artificial intelligence and they're looking for certain, I'll call them tripping hazards. For example, we'll talk about the name. One of the things you don't want to do, if it's possible, if you're not already set up, is you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into an industry like I did, Freedom Real Estate Enterprises. It's obvious what I do for a living, right? Better would be Oak Tree Enterprises, LLC. So you want to be careful. You don't want to stick yourself in a bucket of restricted industries. That's Why? Well, because what happens is then they're going to restrict your credit based on what they know uh, is historically a problem with that particular industry. Mm -hmm. So we know real estate is a high risk industry, right? Uh, we can all make millions, but we can also lose millions as I personally can attest to. Mm -hmm. So they're aware of that. Um, so they, not that you can't get approved, but maybe, maybe Oak Tree Enterprises gets approved for 10 grand, Freedom Real Estate gets approved for five. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yep. Right, so that's the first thing we want to look at. We want to make sure you're actually set up as a corporation. If you set it up as a sole proprietorship, you're basically personally guaranteeing anything, everything anyway. All right, so you want to make sure you're at least an LLC. Then from there, they're going to look at your address. Now, when I talk about addresses, there's only three passing grades in the address world in business credit. There's a commercial address, which if that building I showed you earlier today, the very first unit on the corner was mine. Uh, the, so that's a real commercial address. That's what we want to see. We know that's not always possible. I started my printing company in my basement. So the second thing they're looking for, uh, or that will be approved, will be what's called a virtual address. Are you guys familiar with that term? Virtual address? Um, mm -mm. Okay. So in the 70s, way before either one of you were born, uh, <laughs> the virtual address industry started to get big, and they sued to be recognized as an actual address as opposed to a P.O. box. Right? They won. 
So a virtual address would be like a company like Regis or Alliance Virtual Addresses, not a PO box, not a UPS box. That's an automatic, automatic denial. All right, so you want to look at a virtual address if you can't actually get a commercial address. And in that case, what happens is they answer the phone for you. They, they mention your company's name. Uh, you can pick up mail there or they'll forward it to you. But it's a real building. Okay? Typically, it's in the high-rise glass buildings and maybe they take a whole entire floor. You've probably seen that. You've gone to visit a company and there's a receptionist and their office is back the hall somewhere. Yeah, very similar. Uh, so then, then the third thing would be your home. Now, you can build business credit on your home. However, there's two things you have to deal with and understand. One, your limits will be lower because it's obvious you're a small business and we're trying to show them that you're a big business. So we're trying to create an impression that you're a solid company. Using a home address almost eliminates that. Uh, and the second problem is, and most people don't know this, is all business credit reports are accessible by anybody. I can pull your business credit report right now if I wanted to and read it. Uh, all I got to do is pay the fee. The problem is they put a picture of your office right on your business credit report. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want my tenants knowing where I live. Right. Right. So there's a photo of your house, if you're in your home, on your business credit report. So we try to keep people away from their home. They can still build it, but we really want to see them go either virtual or commercial. Okay. All right. So that's an easy one. The next thing, and this is where most people fail. If I'm in a room, and I've got 500 people. I say, if I asked you for your business phone number, would you give me your cell phone? And the hands go up. Because everybody, we're attached to our cell phones, right? Everybody gives out that number, especially real estate investors. Unfortunately, if you have a cell phone as your business address, you can't be listed in the National 411 directory. Do you guys know what that is, the National 411 directory? I do. Good. You remember picking up the phone, dialing 411 and asking for Joe's Pizza? Mm -hmm. I do. That's exactly. That still exists today. Most people aren't aware of it because most people don't actually have a phone on their wall. Well, the first thing the artificial intelligence checks is, are you listed in that directory? If you are, remember, they're looking for fraud. If you are, then you're a legitimate business in, that's, in their mind, that creditor's mind. Can't list a cell phone. You need an actual business phone number. So here's the problem. Do you really want to hang a phone on your wall? Not everybody does. So you can go with what's called a virtual phone number. Now, Kyle, can you give me an example of a virtual phone number? I bet you can. Uh, 1-800 number. One. A Google, right? Google number. Yeah. Google right. voice. Now, I bring that up yep. for a reason because everybody says the same thing. Oh, I have a Google number. It's good. And I do have a Google number. The problem is that's the right street, wrong direction. Google owns that number. You do not. Mm. You're not paying for it. It's free in most cases. Uh, so it's the right idea, just the wrong the wrong vendor. So you want to go with somebody like Ring Central. You go to Ring Central, you'll pay typically between thirty and forty dollars a month for a phone number. And we always suggest you get not only the phone number, you get an eight hundred number and you get a uh, a fax number. And now don't laugh, right? I bet you don't even have a fax machine, do you? I cannot yeah. find a fax machine <laughs> if I needed to. Someone asked me to fax something to them last <laughs> week and I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> exactly. Nobody does. I don't own a fax machine, but the problem is banks do. Because mm -hmm. they still look for wet signatures. Right, so banks will still have, uh, so we want to throw a fax number on it. You just go with a virtual fax. It's an email fax. You print it out, sign it, scan it, and send it via your email. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you want a virtual fax number as well. So that's number two. That's usually the number one reason business credit applicants fail almost immediately. They get denied, and they don't know why. Because in the commercial world, unlike the personal world, they're not required to tell you why you failed. You're just denied. End of story, move on. All right, not only are they not required, 
they're not allowed to tell you. Because what, what do they really want? What creditors really want is you to sign personally. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't want the business getting the credit because if the business gets the credit, they don't, they don't have any way to come back at you. They offer it because it's good for their business, uh, but their goal was to really get you to sign personally. Yeah. So when you do this the right way, you do not have to put a personal guarantee on business credit. Is that that's correct? Exact, that's exactly right. Not only that, it doesn't report on your personal, so your utilization rates don't go crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do credit scores and everything work the same way with business credit, you know, scores of 800 or, you know, below 640, all that kind of stuff? No, uh, each one is different, but the two primaries you have is uh, Dun & Bradstreet, DMB, and you have Experian business credit. So what happens is in Experian, you're going to get what's called an IntelliScore. An IntelliScore goes from zero to 100. Typically, it starts at like 25. 25 is failing. Uh, 100 is perfect. Business credit is based strictly on how you pay your bills. Strictly, not income, not utilization, not the amount of credit you have. It's strictly, do you pay your bills? So if, if I was to give you credit, Kyle, let's say I owned ABC computer company and I gave your company credit and I said, look, you have 60 day terms. You have to pay me back in 60 days. Here's $10,000 in credit. Uh, you buy the computers. I send you a bill. You pay me, let's say in 30 days, not 60. I would report that as discounted, paid early. Even if you use the whole 10,000, doesn't matter. Matter of fact, I encourage people, the more you use, the more you get. Yep. So keep in mind, uh, these suppliers, these creditors want you to buy their products. So for example, if you're a truck driver and you have business credit, uh, what's the number one thing you're going to probably go after? Fleet cards, right? Mm-hmm. Gas. That's probably their number one expense over and above the vehicle itself. So what I see happen with truck drivers a lot is they'll start off and they'll get $5,000 in credit from, let's say, Shell. Then they apply, and if they use it, then they apply for, let's say, BP. BP will approve them for 12.5. Now, why would BP give them literally double the credit? They want their business. You got it. It's exactly right. They're they're dangling it. We want you to buy your fuel from us. And then Pilot Flying J might give them 50,000. And it grows and grows and grows and grows. Got it. Okay, so it may seem obvious, but you and you touched upon it a little bit earlier, but how can real estate investors maybe that aren't flipping houses or buying smaller multifamilies really utilize business credit to their advantage? Well, what I, what I tell business owners, especially ones that are starting out is, look, you're buying products every day, whether you even pay attention to what you're buying. Uh, but if you're, if you, let's say, uh, are buying paper because you're doing flyers, you're flyering neighborhoods or um, you're buying fuel for your car. Matter of fact, you're driving around in a car to look at properties. Why would you have any of that tied to you personally? You're using it for business, mm-hmm. right? So why not have the vehicle in the company name? Why not have all the fuel you put in it go on the credit card that's in the company name? Uh, the flyers, the computers, your cell phone, you name it. Every, think of every business expense you have. I mean, you're, you're doing this podcast. You still have business expenses, right? 100%. Other than payroll. Yep. So why ever use any of your personal credit for that? Don't put it on your credit card because it changes your utilization, which drops your score. Like how frustrating is it that you come across a, a sweet deal and you were an 800 credit score last month, but because you've been using your personal credit this month and you haven't paid it off yet, when they run your credit, you're a 650. Now you're losing out on possibly a deal that would make you a million dollars. You need to protect your personal credit like it's gold. The only time my personal credit is run is when I can turn it into money. If I can turn it into money, I'll use my personal, other than my primary house, obviously. 
uh, I try to use business credit for everything that I do. Got it. Every, cause look, nobody plans to fail, right? Nobody plans to fail. I didn't plan to fail in 08, right? Nobody saw that coming. Maybe some people saw it coming, but I didn't see it coming. Uh, but I didn't fail to plan. Yep. Makes sense. What is it? Fail to plan, plan to fail, right? You got it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, you know, I didn't even know what I was doing. Uh, and I set myself up so that I wasn't crushed personally when the market crashed. I mean, don't get me wrong. I lost my personal house and that was an issue. And I lost all my income, but I didn't have to spend years paying back all these credit cards. I didn't have to go bankrupt, which, you know, that's a seven year death sentence. Yep. So no, that's if, huge. If, if you can protect your personal credit, look, do you think, Sam Walton, who, by the way, uh, Walmart is the number one purveyor of business credit. Everything you buy from them, they got on credit and they haven't paid for yet. You, they'll buy bounty towels, put them on a shelf, right? It's on credit. You pay, you give them the cash, and then they'll pay bounty or whoever yeah. the distributor is. Sam Walton didn't personally sign for anything. Right? Well, he's not doing anything now, but you understand the point. Yep, <laughs> right? exactly. Uh, they, you know, businesses have been doing this for years. We didn't invent this. This has been around forever. The issue is nobody ever teaches this. Just like in school, they don't teach checkbooks anymore, right? Like when I went to school, they taught us how to manage a checkbook. They taught us basic accounting. They don't even teach that anymore. Uh, nobody teaches this. We're the 800-pound gorilla. As a matter of fact, the people who are teaching this out there are mostly our partners, people that we've trained. And unfortunately, CFOs know this. The high-level CFOs, they know all about this, but they're not going to share it with you. Because yeah. they want you to personally sign. This is a game changer for anybody in any business, not just real estate, but it certainly applies to real estate. Okay. Anything else as far as business credit's concerned that uh, you want to tell our listeners about? Um, yeah. Well, I told you, you know, obviously use the credit. If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, make sure you pay your bills on time. So don't borrow what you can't pay back. And I will tell you that it never ends. What happens is the tide will change. So right now we all are looking for money when we're in business, especially as a startup, we're looking for money. We're looking for credit. I mean, you have a high credit score, Kyle, but you know, I have a high credit score every day, at least every day or every other day, I walk up to my mailbox. There's a credit card offer in the mailbox. There's a loan offer in the mailbox. There's always somebody that's mailed me something right now. Why did they mail it to me and not my neighbor? Cause they bought that data from the credit reporting agencies, not mm. with my, not with my score, but we would like people on this zip code with this credit score range from 700 to 800. And then they mail. Well, don't you think commercial lenders and creditors want your business as well? So how do they get that data? They buy that data from Dun & Bradstreet and Experian. We want businesses that are X years old that have a credit score of 96 and tell a score and a 78 or an 80 paid X score on DMV. They buy that data, then they mail. So it's what's cool about business credit is as you grow, like we have a program that lasts about a year. But I tell people, don't stop, keep going. Anytime you think you want to buy something for your business, ask them if they have business credit. Hey, I'd like to get this in the business name. They're always amazed at what they get. Saks Fifth Avenue, right? Who would think, right? Saks Fifth Avenue, I had a client, uh, an accountant who wanted to buy gifts for their clients at Christmas. They went to Saks Fifth Avenue and I didn't even know Saks had it. And they got $20,000 in credit in the company name to buy gifts for their clients at Christmas in the business name. Yeah. Sounds like it'd be very powerful then. You just got to really set stuff up the right way. Perfect. Well, Lee's going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
Have you heard of the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit coming up on January 16th through the 18th? It's a three-day information-packed event for multifamily investors with over 1,000 attendees and over 50 speakers. You will hear from experts about finding deals, raising capital, underwriting strategies, selecting markets, and so much more. I've also been invited as one of the speakers to present on creating authority platforms to accelerate your success. Go to apartmentevent.com to grab your ticket and use promo code LIMITLESS to get $100 off. Whether you are new to multifamily investing or a seasoned investor, you do not want to miss this event. Join me at the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit. Visit apartmentevent.com. All right, Stephen, what is the one tool you've used in real estate investing that you could not do without? Business credit. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping for a different answer, but that's fine. Okay, no, I can give you, you know what, the one tool that actually, um, when I was, when I was at, my, at the top is I use TV. I leveraged TV commercials. Yeah, I had my phone ringing. I, I advertised on Judge Judy. And my phone, I literally had to hire people to answer the phone. We would get hundreds of phone calls wow. of people wanting to sell their properties. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Yes, yes. I, I stepped outside my comfort zone. I bought, I was buying in the inner city, like I mentioned, in Camden, New Jersey and Philadelphia. Uh, and I knew that market. I could look at a house and know exactly what it was going to cost to rehab it, what the retail value was, what it was going to rent for. I could make a decision in 30 seconds. And I decided I wanted to, to expand that and started going into the suburbs, which is fine. But then I went past the suburbs into farmland, like into areas that were kind of you know, urban, uh, rural. And I bought a property with a 600-foot barn on it. And it was on eight acres and the whole deal. And I think I paid 140,000 for it, put another 125,000 into it and sold it for about 115,000. <laughs> wow. I got crushed because I didn't know the market. I didn't know that particular type of product. So the lesson I learned was stay in your lane, hmm. stay in your lane. What I should have done is found an investor in that market and either turned him onto the deal and wholesaled it or, right. or, or you manage it, you know, I just, I, I thought I was invincible. So there yeah. was my biggest mistake. Stay in your lane. Do what you do best. All right. Good advice. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Me? Mm-hmm. I got to write another book. Uh, I'm spending more and more time on stages around the country. As a matter of fact, I'm speaking at the uh, Ohio Real Estate Conference this week on the 31st. Um, uh, I need to I need to scale this. I need to hire people underneath me so I can get bigger. That's really what I need to do. I need to get the word out to more and more people. I need to do more podcasts. Yep. Yep. Awesome. And finally, Stephen, where can people find out more about you? Well, they can go to creditsuite.com. Uh, on the homepage, as a matter of fact, if you're okay with this, we give away a mm -hmm. free four-step starting guide for building business credit. They just put their info in. Nobody's going to call them. Uh, they're just going to get into our funnel. We'll email them tons of free information. So go to creditsuite.com. If they want to speak to me directly, they can email me at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at creditsuite.com. That's S-U-I-T-E for sweet. Awesome. Well, that was extremely useful information that our listeners can definitely take away from this interview. So thank you for sharing your expertise with us and for being on our show. Oh, it was my pleasure, guys. I really want to thank you both for having me on today. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Stephen. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, 
visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.